Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Sunday evening. We've got lots of ground to cover on the show, including reaction from today's Munster Intermediate and Senior Football Championship games. Of course, we'll also bring you a full roundup of the day's Premier League action and the final whistle news from a feisty FAI Cup final between Bohemians and St. Patrick's Athletic. All of that to come, so stay with us for the next hour. with Gaelic Games and Glanmire beat Monaghan this afternoon to become Munster Ladies Football Intermediate Champions and the final score in that game was Glanmire 8 points to Monaghan's 1 goal and 2 points Meanwhile in the Munster Senior Football Championship Castlehaven were up against Cratlow and extra time was needed there to separate the two sides with Castlehaven eventually prevailing the final score was one goal and 12 points for Castlehaven to Cratlow's 11 points and we'll have more in-depth reaction from both of those games for you very shortly in the Munster Intermediate Football Championship quarterfinal it was Kilmarcher who beat Kilmihill by a tally of 20 points to 7 Across in the domestic football league, it was a big day with the FAI Cup final being decided at the Aviva Stadium. Bohemians and St. Patrick's Athletic battled it out in front of a capacity crowd and St. Patrick's Athletic won by three goals to one. That sealed them their second FAI Cup title in three years and you have to say they absorbed some serious pressure from Bohemians in the second half and got themselves over the line with that third goal. There were just five minutes to go in normal time at that point and it was courtesy of Tommy Lonergan. Ashley O'Reilly has the full-time report. It's full-time here at the Viva Stadium and it's St. Pat's who are the FAI Cup champions for the fifth time in their history. Incredible scenes here as the supporters sing and the players celebrate out on the pitch and finish Bohemia's 1, St. Patrick's Athletic 3. It was level at one all at the break Bohemian's goal coming after eight minutes from a penalty from Jonathan Afalabi. St. Pat's on the 23rd minute. It was from a header. Mark Doyle, he found the back of the net to level the game. And it was a brilliant start then to the second half for the Saints. Jake Mulrani has been very influential this afternoon. Their second goal came from his free kick as he sent in a perfect delivery. And Bohemian's player Christian Nowak was just unlucky. He took a deflection and found the back of the net. Bohemians did have chances in particular from their captain today, Jordan Flores, who hit the post with a brilliant free kick. But all the momentum was with St. Pat's. And with 87 minutes on the clock, we saw a moment of brilliance from 19-year-old Thomas Lonergan, who found the back of the net to seal the deal. There was 43,881 supporters here at the Viva Stadium today, beating the previous FAI Cup final record of 41,238, which was set in 1945. It's an incredible moment for Jonathan Daly's men today. They are the FAI Cup champions for 2023. The full-time score, Bohemians 1, St. Patrick's Athletic 3. Let's take you through the day's Premier League results next. Aston Villa took a 3-1 win over Fulham and Frank Watson had the full-time report from Villa Park. Villa 3, Fulham 1. Villa surging into a 3-0 lead. First goal, an own goal from Robinson. McGinn, the second with a low drive. 2-0 at half-time. Ollie Watkins added a third on 64 minutes. And then Fulham when they might have laid down, came back into the game, got a goal back through Raul Jimenez and actually uh, were probably the better side for the last 20 minutes or so. That said, a 13th consecutive home league win for Villa. They stay in fifth and uh, they look very, very strong here at Villa Park. Fulham, just a couple of periods during which they uh, were on top towards the end and initially in the second half. But generally speaking, routine day at the office for Unai Emery's Aston Villa. It finished Villa 3, Fulham 1. 
Meanwhile, 8th place Brighton drew one all with bottom of the table Sheffield. Alan Lewis had the full-time report from the Amex. It's finished Brighton 1, Sheffield United 1. Sheffield United lift themselves off the bottom of the Premier League with a big point on the road. They had to come from behind to do it. Simon Adingra put Brighton in front after just six minutes. They should have had more though. Ansu Fati, Matoma and Pedro all missed good chances. The game swung midway through the second half when Dahoud was sent off for Brighton for an ugly challenge on Osborne. The Blaze took full advantage of the extra man and equalised three minutes later when Adam Webster turned Jaden Bogle's cross into his own net. Bogle was within inches away from scoring a second. In the end, it finished all square. Brighton now without a win in six league games. It finished Brighton 1, Sheffield United 1. Meanwhile, Liverpool have beaten Brentford by three goals to nil at home at Anfield this afternoon and Shane Pennington has the full-time report from Anfield. It's finished Liverpool 3, Brentford nil, and Jurgen Klopp's men have made it nine wins in a row here then and move up to second in the process with Mo Salah scoring twice to make it 200 goals in English football. He fired home his first from 12 yards out and then headed home a second from six and Diego Jota wrapped up the points with a third from outside the box. It could have been more, Darwin Nunes had two goals ruled out for offside after VAR views and Mark Flecken made at least five other saves. Matthias Jensen and Ethan Pinnock wasted Brentford's best chances as their three-match win run came to an end. Liverpool 3, Brentford 0. Meanwhile, West Ham beat Nottingham Forest three goals to two and Chelsea are up against top of the table Manchester City in the final game of the day. It's been very much back and forth there, but it's currently 72 minutes gone and it's three goals apiece. So I'm sure we'll see more from that in the next couple of minutes. Let's start with that game between Castlehaven and Cratlow in the quarterfinal of the Munster Senior Football Championship this afternoon. They were level at nine points apiece after normal time in this one and extra time was needed to separate them as I mentioned earlier but Castlehaven did come out victorious in the end and the final score there was one goal and 12 points for Castlehaven to Cratlow's 11 points to remind you. Castlehaven's Brian Hurley spoke to Jer McCarthy after the game about what's to come now that they're into the semi-final stages of the championship. Okay, first of all, congratulations, Brian Hurley, into the semi-finals of the Munster Senior Football Championship. Really tight, tough game that you were expecting from Cracklaw today. Yeah, look, look, we know, you know, Colin Collins, like you know, his history, and we knew he'd have him well fired for today. And um, Jesus, a tough battle, like, and we knew it would be. To be honest with you, like, we didn't take him for granted. Um, but yeah, it really went down to the wire. To be honest. Did you find it tough to get up to speed uh, the break after the county final? Um, yes and no. Like to be honest, the first half was very slow paced. They kind of like you know um, were very defensive and just kept ball like you know and um, you know probably killed our time with the wind. If I'm being honest with you, but um, look, we, we we knew at half time. Look, it was level, and we said, look, we, we can try play a bit more ball in the second half, and I think we did that. Um, you know, credit to the fellas that came off the bench really. You know, they, they really bought the steel for us. You know. Um, Kieran Sullivan, who hadn't played much all year, you know, really the last turnover there was crucial. He, he was involved in it and turned it over, and you know, Robbie Minahan got the goal off the bench. So, like, you know, we, we have a strong panel, and you know, I think this is where we'll really learn how, how strong it is. That's the key thing this year. The younger players know that bit more experience, and uh, winning a Premier co- Senior County title has really stood to them. Yeah, it has. Look, I suppose, you know, Castlehaven really pride themselves in counties, like, you know, and that's not being in an arrogant way. Um, you know, it's, you know, how many counties you have is the question when you go down there. And, uh, you know, they all have one in their back pocket now. So, you know, you can see them grow up another foot taller, really. And I thought, you know, the younger players are really, you know, taking the pressure off the older lads, which is great to see. Um, and look, 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 we knew it was going to be a tough game today. Look, we're only in the semi-final and we know, you know, the next day um, it's going to even be more tougher again. So that's the level you're at now. You know, you, the, 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 more, the more you progress, the more, the more challenging it's going to be. Ger also got the views of Castlehaven's manager, James McCarthy, about the importance of having depth in the squad and how they prepared for the possibility of extra time in the build-up to today's game. James McCarthy, first of all, congratulations. Reaching a Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final was the objective today here. Um, did it matter how you got there today or were you hoping to do it, uh, not, not utilising extra time? Um, we spoke about extra time during the week, actually, because... We knew coming into Munster games, especially the first game, you know, I suppose we were after celebrating a pair a bit below down west and to get people focused. And But again, we were up against the top test team there today. Um, we done it the hard way, but I thought we showed great spirit. Like um, Robbie's goal was critical. Brian Hurley's and points were critical, but how important was the the bench today and the impact of all those players, including Kieran O'Sullivan on playing with? Yeah. Um, again, it's a cliche, but we keep speaking about the, the panel 
and we, we spoke about this in January and we said when it comes down the line if there's extra time you'll need 24, 25 players and that's what happened today we sat, uh, Jamie Driscoll came on and we took him off again and we brought on again um, Kieran was outstanding when he, when he played and Robbie got the goal and brought energy to midfield and even Michal Maguire, young Michal Maguire, hadn't played since the first game, but he was the fellow bringing the ball up the field there for the last score. So, look, it was everybody was up on their feet there then, both sides. But, again, we, we spoke about it at half-time. Our, our, after the full-time, saying that our bench, we were very confident that we'd have legs for him in the, in the extra time. James, I thought the goalkeeper played very well down at Highland. You must have been pleased with the, def- the, the defence. Uh, especially there, there, there a lot of high ball going to the square today. You know, loose, uh, one break there, you get a leg to it. We could have got a couple maybe in the first half as well. Just, we were, again, we were saying that a goal would have won the game. Getting a goal is, is worth four or five points out there today. In, 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 not the conditions, but the way the game was played. Um, but yeah, there was outstanding. James, what do you make of these games that you're being dragged into today in the last day? Um, look, I'm winning. We're winning. Uh, we have to find a way to win, and that's what we're, that's the way the coaching has gone now at the moment. Um, didn't something personally I enjoy, but you have to set up your team depending on what you're playing against, and sometimes it's out of your control um, what you can do and what you can't do. I'd say everybody would like a game of football going man for man, but we hadn't those games with a long time. And um, I think maybe last year Nemo and ourselves, or not Nemo, the Barrows and ourselves had a cracker last year. Uh, we lost it. But uh, saying that, um, look, we're practicing for what's being put in front of us, and we just have to beat that. It's a skill in itself, and I think we're getting better at it. And uh, our mindset there in the extra time there, I thought we controlled it without. Without winning easy, we, I thought we controlled that extra time. Do, do you have to adapt, adapt James? Because the likelihood is, as you go further on, you're not, it's not going to get any more expensive. No. Um, uh, look at television last night. It's, it, it's everywhere. Um, but, again, we, we just have to adapt to what's in front of us. And, again, they have to adapt to what, I suppose, a lot of teams are wary of our forwards and they're setting up that way. But, Give me respect to Crack Law. Like they, they hit us like it was point per point all the way. So we can't complain. We, we were missing, we were missing scores as well. So we, if we were beaten today, we'd have been disappointed with our display. But that had been down to Crack Law and how they played so well. What is the cost? Cost patience, James. Yes, and and maybe the crowd would be raw, especially a crowd in here. It can be heard. I think we're getting better at it. I wish I have to silence the. Our players sometimes on the sideline could they be saying, take it on, take it on, you know, and there might be 10 players in front of you, but again, uh, coaching patience, but again, it's, it's, it's still head up football. If the pass is on, we, we want to go for it. Uh, just last one, disappointed that you can get the job done 60 minutes? Uh, yes and no, but yeah, we were, they were up a point with a couple of minutes ago, if I'm right in saying, and we came back and levelled it and went to point up. Uh, it could have gone either way, but it, they showed how good they were and they came back and levelled it. And usually the teams that level it are the teams that drive on, but I think we showed great attitude again in, in extra time. Like. Let's hear now from the other side of that battle and Cratlow's manager, Colin Collins, shared his thoughts on the game and also his side's journey to this point in the season. Look, first of all, obviously disappointment. Um, how happy were you with the way your team managed the game, not just in normal time, but coming into extra time before that Robbie Miller and goal? Yeah, I suppose that everything was going spiffingly well until the goal. Um, I suppose that whoever was going to get a goal in that kind of, in context of that kind of a game was going to win us. But uh, ah, listen, Castlehaven are a really good side, and you know, I don't want to take away from their victory. They they totally deserved it. It was a good, it was a great battle, and someone had to had someone had to come out in half and, and fair place them, and the best to look to them and answer. Um, you went toe to toe with them though for for the whole afternoon, and there were some missed opportunities from freeze when you might have gotten that two point advantage. Was that the kind of key thing that you didn't just get that little bit further ahead? We didn't, I suppose. Yeah, there was a few chances that were missed, but uh, Alison, I suppose those those things happen, and Castle have a missed chance in the first half as well too. So, you know, that's the way it goes. I suppose the goal was key. When whoever got the goal yeah. and say, fair play to me, took it really well and stuck it in the corner. So, no complaints. 
Um, your structure and the way you set up, um, you played very similarly to Castlehaven in the first half. There was nothing in it. It was quite tight. But you did work some very, very good scoring opportunities. How happy are you overall with, you know, with the way your forwards uh, delivered? Yeah, um, we got some really good scores. Um, I suppose that at times we, we kind of didn't occupy we didn't occupy all their defenders as much as we'd have liked. But uh, still, we still got good scores. I mean, they're, they defend very well. They're very organised. And... Uh, you know, they've plenty of bodies in back and they, they then when they turn over the ball they really break at pace and do really well and of course they've they've some excellent forwards. I thought that uh, you know, man marking wise we did reasonably well and on, on, on their good forwards. So um, overall I'd be happy enough with our performance, just a small bit short that's um yeah, and disappointment, but Cracklow have come a long way this year. This year. Like, he did it the hard way, winning your, your own championship and to come out and to put in this performance. As disappointing as it is, how confident are you that you'll be back here again next year? Ah, yeah, we've got, um, we've got a fantastic club and uh, we've got some, some um, you know, some good stuff, good young fellas coming through. So hopefully they'll, be, they'll, they'll step into these boys' shoes and, and they'll be as, uh, as good and as honourable as these, these boys have been. A pleasure today. But Excellent. Uh, commiserations and thanks for talking to us. No problem. Thank you. Now, another big game, of course, took place in Mallow today, where Glamour went head-to-head with Limerick side Monagate to decide the Munster Ladies Football Intermediate Championship. And as I mentioned earlier, the final score there was Glamour, eight points to Monagate, one goal and two points. So a big congratulations is in order for the Glamour ladies and, of course, their supporters as well. Let's hear what Glamour captain Ellen Toomey had to say after the game. Ellen, obviously... Captaining a team to a monster title, dream stuff for you, and also for Glamour, a great day. Yeah, I know it's been absolutely super. Like I suppose at the start of the year, we've had so much hurt the last couple of years, New Zealand on the county final. So I suppose if you turned around to us at the start of the year and told us we would have been monster champions, we probably would have laughed at you because it wasn't something we'd think of. But like we're absolutely delighted. Like we would have taken the county, so anything after the county was a bonus. Now that being said, I suppose with the county being won there was a bit of pressure off us there was no kind of monkeys on our back as you say so we kind of went there today and we played football and we enjoyed it that small bit more as well you always knew today was going to be a close match yeah. when they got that goal at the start of the second half your thoughts at that time were you feared it was turning in their favour or were you still confident no I was still confident I suppose anyone that would have been at our county final it kind of would have been a similar match um, we would have got reduced in the Navy game down to 14 players we would have conceded a goal we would have went down but we kept our cool we've kind of been training like all year we've had leaders and experienced team or experienced girls all within the team so I suppose today when the goal went in from the get go we kind of weren't too panicked I know we went down but we said we'd keep our cool we'd get our kick outs right and we'd go from there so yeah I suppose that small bit of experience from the county final stood to us and we were able to drive it on from there obviously the forwards get to applaud us but defensively you were magnificent today and you know when you see when you see Katrina Davis their danger player Kyla O'Connor did a magnificent man person job on her today a man marking job on her yeah Kayla she was class um, we had our homework done now in fairness like the managers went away and they had a look they did video analysis and they let us know our jobs and Kayla did a superb job that girl full forward didn't get a, any ball really like well she quietened her down and like even if you see their player being taken off then it just goes to show that like that's another even clap on the back for Kayla and fairness to her um, but we did have our homework done we knew their shooters we knew the free takers we knew their range and stuff like that so thankfully all the work that the management did we kind of showed it on the pitch and it paid off for us and then when the match was tight Abby O'Mani came up with two great points one from distance really that I think swung it back in your favour and from then on you never, you never looked like losing yeah Abby's a great 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 leader on the pitch from soloing the ball up the pitch taking on the whole team if she needs be she'll do it and like she stood up and she took the points and she backed herself and that was huge like it was a huge swing if it was someone else that might have been a small bit more nervous they could have went the other side of the post and like that could have given Monaghan a bit of confidence and they could have went down and scored a point and it was huge like it was the turning point of the game in fairness so fair play to Abby like she has that confidence to stick them over you enjoyed Junior Glory Cork Munster and then All Ireland in 2018 with this team you're now into the All Ireland series just a small trip to London in the quarter final to look forward to but really, no, drive on from here. And as you said, everything is a bonus. Yeah, exactly. Everything's a bonus. We're able to play the football that we want to play. There's no pressure on us. Like, any match we're going to get at this stage of the year is going to be a very tough game. So whoever comes out is just going to be the better side on the day. So look, our next game, our next focus is the London game. So we'll have to get ourselves right and we'll be back training during the week. And we'll focus from there. But like, as you said, like there's only three games away from playing in All-Ireland in Crow Park. And that's going to be on the back of our mind. But we'll take the London game one step at a time. But we're really looking forward I'm to it. I'm sure you do a bit of celebrating before yeah. that, though. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do a small bit of um, celebrating until I suppose we're told to go back training. So, yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, the very best luck to those glamour ladies heading over to London for that next game.
Now, the Republic of Ireland under-21s are back at Turner's Cross next week and Jim Crawford's side are going to be facing Italy in that game. It's a Euro qualifier. But before that, they'll go to Norway on Friday and Rory has been speaking to the Ireland boss ahead of a big week for his side. All right, absolutely. Delighted to be joined on the line now by Republic of Ireland under-21 boss Jim Crawford. Jim, uh, thanks very much for talking to us today. No problem at all. Delighted to be here. Uh, Jim, back at Turner's Cross, um, considering he had two wins at Turner's Cross last month, I'd imagine you're uh, delighted to be back there again next month. Yeah, well, we always knew going to Turner's Cross what we'd get in terms of atmosphere and real buy-in from the supporters and, 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 you know, the players certainly enjoy the experience, particularly the first game against Turkey, the opening game of the campaign where, you know, I, I felt the fans drove us on to the very last a couple of seconds of the game where it was really exciting stuff and we went and scored uh, the winner from um, Oidemo. So we certainly need more of the same in this window now in November. Uh, we've got a, a massive game against Italy and, and I think with the quality of Italy and, and the, the quality of our own team as well, it certainly makes um, an exciting prospect for the for, um those who want to turn up to the game. There's something about that Turner's Cross pitch, Jim, when the fans are right on top of you, like when you're taking a throw in, like you can feel the breath on your neck, that away teams seem to almost struggle with a bit. Yeah, look, it wasn't, you know, by any type of sort of fluke that we decided we'd play in Cork. We, we knew what Cork brings, Turner's Cross brings in terms of um, the atmosphere, it's a, it's a real cauldron of noise and, and uh, electricity. And we certainly got that in the first game. And, and you know, I thought the fans were, were fantastic. And, yeah, they're on top of you. Um, you know, we like that. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, it was, a, it was a marvelous occasion in the first game. And then, look, second game, totally different game against San Marino. San Marino sort of come to survive to it degree to waste time and, and that affects um, you know the, the overall sort of um, outlook of the game you know so um, but one thing's for sure Italy they're the, they're the you know they're the favourites in the group they're you know one of the top teams in Europe they're bringing in a, a lot of exper- experience pedigree at, at this level a lot of players who played in Serie A teams so it's you know I, I think it's it's certainly um, an exciting prospect for for us, the staff, for the players, and certainly um, uh, uh, the supporters. And Jim, I suppose with three wins from three now in your qualifying campaign so far, you couldn't be happier with the way the results have gone, but performances-wise, have you been pleased with those as well? Yeah, three out of three, It's it's great, but look, we parked them up very quickly as a staff and as a group of players and, and look it's it's history now and, and and sort of that old cliche the most important game now in, in our campaign is is up against Norway in, in this window and then after that it's it's obviously against Italy. But you know the these two teams that we're playing against are are certainly levels above anything that we played now in the world. So Norway are a real technical team they're they're littered with extremely skillful players they, they have a way of playing and they play it exceptionally well and then you've got Italy who as I've said already they're they're certainly the favorites of the group they're well organized they're um, they can go direct when they want it and they can play through the thirds when they want it because they've got um, players to sue both sort of styles of playing that way, direct or or progressive football. So, you know, two different games, but two exceptionally tough challenges for the players. And that's what you want at 21's level, that, you know, you, you've got these games where it's a real barometer of where you're at with regards to your development at this stage. Yeah, exactly. So, and um, just speaking of development, I know we touched on it the last time we were down, but uh, Matt Healy, formerly of Cork City, was um, certainly central to those two victories in Turner's Cross, and he stepped up to that level with apparent ease, Jim. Yeah, Matt, he's um, somebody that we've always admired, 
Um, you know, he's he's a player that we were always aware of, even back in his Ipswich Town days. And then he went to Cork, and you know, Colin Heath, he worked with him at Cork at the time, and and you know, he, he certainly got um, the best out of him, and and you know, to play uh, Cork City in some big games. He done exceptionally well, and and you know he's he's moved on now to sort of a similar pathway to Jake O'Brien, another Cork boy, where he's gone and playing in the second tier in, in in Belgium, and he's he's doing exceptionally well. But he's a technical player, and you know he can pass the ball. He, he he's always looking to receive the ball in, in whatever space, whether he's got space or it's tight areas, he still wants it, and. That's the type of player that um, certainly suits international football and suits the Irish under twenty ones team. And first two games, you know, he, you know, I know I was proud for him and his family to to play in Turner's Cross and and, and um, uh, play for your national team. And and he was excellent in both games. And then, you know, it's another challenge going to Latvia. And playing against a team who playing a low block, were physical, and and you know we came through that test quite comfortably too. You know he did another decent game there, playing in a, a slightly different role. So Matt's, you know he's 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 a very good player and an exceptional character, and and he's been outstanding since you know he's come into the twenty ones, and and he came in back in March when we were playing against Iceland and he unfortunately picked up a, an injury which he was devastated but he's, he's certainly made up for last time with the the way he started this campaign and Jim um, Conor Reardon made his debut against Latvia I suppose he made headlines when he was included in the Scotland squad as well but his comments afterwards saying that he only ever wants to represent the Republic of Ireland and you must be delighted to, to A hand him his under 21 debut and B uh, the level of his performance against Latvia yeah, look, we gave him his competitive debut. Um, he, he also played against Kuwait in June, but very similar to, to Mahili, he was involved in the squad against Iceland, um, you know, back in March. And unfortunately, he too picked up an injury. So, you know, we certainly didn't want to risk him. And then, you know, what happened with him at the start of the season, a crew, he... He, he didn't start in as many games as he wanted and you know he, he understood that and you know obviously with a player of Connor's ability there's there's always going to be competition to to get hold of a player like Connor and, and, and Scotland intervened and, and expressed an interest but I knew with many conversations that I had with Connor that um, you know his loyalties and, and his love is here with the Republic of Ireland and he made his competitive debut against Latvia with ease. Um, there'll be far more sterner tests to come, um, starting with with uh, the November window against Norway and against Italy. And, and I'm sure he'll be fine because, look, mm. he's playing very well at crew week in, week out. Um, you know, on the sort of the, the, the middle of a back three where he, you know, he, he controls, um, you know, the build-up phase. And his, his, you know, his defensive awareness is is also excellent. So looking forward to working with him again. And um, he's he's certainly added value to our squad. Uh, we spoke about pathways before, Jim, and um, I think we touched on it last one as well. But when the lads see the likes of like Sinclair Armstrong make his his senior debut, that must provide, I suppose, even more motivation for them going forward. Yeah, without a doubt, and it just shows how strong and realistic the pathway is that you know you, you do well at your club level that's our barometer okay so if you're playing well at your club level you know you have a you have a really strong chance of of playing with the 21s but what's happened with Sinclair at that particular time he was playing exceptionally well with his club that he, he's certainly pricked the ears of the senior international coaching staff so you know I under, understand the process with all this that if he's playing well in championship level of of course he's going to come into their thinking at some stage so it wasn't a surprise that Sinclair got promoted to the senior team and we were all delighted 
we really were um, as a staff, as a group of players, and we were as proud as as anything when he when he made his senior debut, you know, and and um, it was a fantastic feeling. We watched the game, and and you know the the round of applause that Sinclair got when he when he stepped onto the pitch was, you know, for me, I think shows the spirit and the togetherness of the group of players that we have that, you know, there was no jealousy or anything like that. Players were just, you know, extremely delighted. And I think it was a beautiful moment in Turner's Cross when he when he came back to play against San Marino and he stepped onto the pitch. And, um, uh, you know, the players again gave him a round of applause and went over and shook his hands. And, and I said, you know, that that's a snapshot of what we've got here as a group, you know, that there's a real bond with the players and that's that's going to help us have a, a successful campaign yeah two big games coming up next month looking forward to seeing you back at Turner's Cross Jim for that Italy game but uh, best of luck for the Norway game before that and sure we'll see in Turner's Cross in a couple of weeks great we're looking forward to it okay thank you the Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Okay, and the good news is that if you want to be at Turner's Cross to see Jim Crawford's under uh, 21s in person, there are still tickets available for that game. And this is the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. You are listening to myself, Sarah McKenzie Foley. And I'm just going to have to bring you up to speed on this Manchester City Chelsea game because it's now four goals each. And we are, uh, we're just flabbergasted here. The rain was absolutely teeming down, but City managed to get a late goal through Rodri and then even later penalty came for Chelsea. So just incredible scenes there. Rory's in uh, in the studio with me. What do you make this one, Rory? Yeah, it's uh, incredible stuff. All right. Still being played 100 minutes now on the clock. Uh, four apiece is uh, how it stands there at the moment. Let's get you the report actually on the uh, the fourth uh, Chelsea goal. And this is from Guy Swindles. Chelsea. Four Manchester City four Chelsea in time added on lovely move involving Sterling who passed to the substitute Broha and he was just taken out by Ruben Dias there was a long discussion not quite sure why before eventually the penalty could be taken and then it was Cole Palmer against his old club who slammed the ball into the top corner to make it Chelsea four Manchester City for yeah, and the full time whistle has just gone there. It's uh, an incredible game of football. Um, there are four goals uh, a piece, eight goals in the game over 90 minutes. Um, Richie Pochettino has just run over uh, to the uh, referee to give out about something he's not happy. It's just a game I've been having kind of, I suppose, half an eye on. But yeah, that Palmer penalty, uh, securing a point for Chelsea and uh, certainly a very entertaining game, Sarah. Absolutely. We, we did have a very, another very entertaining game earlier this afternoon, the FAI Cup final. Obviously, St. Patrick's Athletic coming out there as the victors, mm. but they really had to absorb quite a bit of pressure in that second half in particular. Yeah, and like it was such a young St. Patrick's Athletic team as well. They had no number of teenagers on the pitch at full time today uh, but they eventually won 3-1 uh, an entertaining game great atmosphere the big talking point from the game is I suppose besides from St. Pat's winning the FA Cup was the crowd I think there was 43,000 people there um, it was officially a sellout although around the pitch they had a lot of seats cordoned off um, just uh, the first couple of rows I'm not sure what that was for it didn't look great on TV uh, the atmosphere generated by both sets of fans in, in fairness was absolutely fantastic I mean like um, the the amount of smoke before the game like the amount of pyro from both sets of fans like the game kicked off you couldn't even see the game because there was so much smoke a rock concert <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant and look St. Pat's won um, delighted for John Daly I've spoken to John quite a couple of times um, this year quite a number of times this year um, in my role as LOI TV commentator so I've spoken to John before City matches with St. Pat's and he came in there difficult circumstances um, but a very very nice guy and I'm, I'm happy for him and uh, yeah it was look it's never mind the match never mind the result it was a great advert for the League of Ireland and, and Irish football as a whole to have 43,000 people in attendance like that is just absolutely fantastic to see um, so uh, look it's onwards and upwards for the League of Ireland um, 
Unfortunately, Cork City won't be in the Premier Division. Um, we won't talk about Cork. <laughs> you were chipped away from that all day. You didn't want to talk to me about it at all. But Cork's not in that. You can listen back to, to yesterday's show to get uh, my thoughts, my considered thoughts on that. They weren't considered, Sarah. I was still quite angry after Cork City were relegated. Thanks so much, Rory. We are switching gears now to chat about boxing because recently Rory was joined in studio by Cork boxer Danny Keating. The Mitchellstown fighter is unbeaten as a professional and he picked up his latest win at the parochial hall a few weeks back. And Danny's been chatting to Rory about his career and also his plans for the future and more. All right, delighted to be joined in the studio by uh, professional boxer Danny Boy Keating. Danny, how are you, sir? How are you, Rory? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and thanks a million for coming in. Uh, I saw you box last week at the parochial hall. Um, it was a great night. Um, Cork boxing, I suppose. Oh, it was a great night, yeah. Um, the atmosphere was crazy. It was my first time fighting in Cork since, I think, 2012. I had my last amateur fight. So it was great to, to fight in front of the Cork fans. So, yeah, no, it was great to be back. I'm delighted with it. Yeah, and you had a massive crowd with you as well, which always helps, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, oh, it was great because I fought a lot in, in Belfast and Galway, so trying to get the Cork fans to, to travel up. At least this one was at their doorstep, so, yeah, they came out in numbers. There was a massive crowd there, and it was good to have Tommy Hyde, Cottle, three Cork lads, so, yeah, it was... The atmosphere was crazy. Yeah, it was something else, I have to say, um, helped by, uh, I suppose, like having three Cork fighters on the card. But having professional boxing back in Cork is a massive plus because we haven't had a professional boxing card in Cork in quite a long time. And then we've had two this year, thanks to Martin Horgan. Yeah, oh, definitely. He's uh, he's putting on great shows. Same with the, the same Warriors, the, the Muay Thai fighting. People love it. Martin, I seen there. He got a shout out in the Joe Rogan podcast there only recently. Did he? he did, yeah. Drawn about um, the rules that he he has. I think Stone he or Australia and Thailand are the only rules. Is something to do with every time they get in a clinch, they break them up and they let them fight again. Mm. So yeah, no hats off to him. He did a great job and um, the show was a success. Yeah, it certainly was. And for you fighting as a professional for the first time in Cork was there any I suppose added pressure or any extra nerves I suppose heading into the fight on you I wouldn't say there was any extra pressure um, it was just I, I wanted to go out and I, I wanted to just impress the fans more than anything um, because I had a lot more people that came to watch me than I normally would um, but look it's it was the first one in Cork and hopefully we're going to have more maybe in the new year yeah Exactly, yeah, fingers crossed. And but when you hear that crowd respond to your name being called, it must be a, a tremendous feeling. Oh, it was. It was crazy. Like I could, I was sitting in the, the there was a dressing room behind the curtain, and I could hear every, I could hear you on the mic introducing <laughs> all the fighters. So I, I could, I was taking in everything. And there was one stage. I think it was when Carl came out, and the curtain was it was shaking. The atmosphere was it was that good. Like it was it, the place was shaking. Mm. So yeah, no, it was it was good. It was was probably one of the, the most enjoyable nights I've had in my career. Mm. And you had a tough little fight as well, didn't you? I did. I had a tough guy. He, uh, geez, he gave me good work for six rounds. Um, but that, that's what we wanted. Like We could have went out there and got a guy there that was only going to go one round. So It's not good to anyone, really. It was, it? it was a good war. It was a good test for me. So, yeah, hats off to him. Take me back to when, I suppose, you started boxing and how you got into it. Um, I started boxing, I'd say I was eight years of age. I had a couple of underage fights because in Ireland you have to be 11 years of age to have an official fight. So my dad was throwing me in just underage fights. Like by the time I came 11, I could have had maybe 20 fights. Mm. Um, I boxed out of the Watergrass Hill Boxing Club. Um, it was ran by Team Thomas. I was coached by Nicholas Cruz. Um, I won a couple of Irish titles. I had a great amateur career. Um, I had over 100 amateur fights. I finished school, 17, I moved to Australia. That's actually where I made my pro debut. I went out to Australia just to go travelling and I ended up getting into an Irish gym out there that was full of professional boxers like Jerry Clancy, Dara Foley, all top, top guys. Um, and I had the opportunity to turn pro, I think it was the end of 2019. So, um, yeah, I had three fights in Australia. I was there for nearly five years in Australia. Um came home I'm home now a couple of years and yeah we've, we've pushed on big time What was it I suppose about boxing that kind of got its hooks into you and I suppose became an addiction almost I suppose I guess I don't know my, my grandfather was he was mad into the boxing 
he was actually he was actually good friends with, with Neil Prendival um, Timmy Durant White um, and I also had uh, my my great uncle Tommy Keaton he boxed at a at a high level um, the World Navies so yeah it was in the family of, so. it was in the family yeah so um, yeah my my two younger brothers box as well and so yeah we, we all seem to got stuck in somehow <laughs> do you have any particular I suppose, um, highlights from your, your amateur days um, I, I suppose the highlight of my career was in the amateurs I won a couple of Irish titles which are very hard to come yeah, by yeah. Um, I represented Ireland lots of times as an international fighter that must be an incredible feeling isn't it representing oh, the it's great and I also got the chance to to go to Bulgaria, Yambal in 2012 for the European schoolboy games, um, and I had a couple of fights out there. I won a couple of fights. I was beaten by by the Russian for a medal. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great great experience. Great experience. I see there's a lot of pros now. They're, they're turning over, and they've had a short enough amateur career. Um, but as I said, look, it's, it's two different sports. Amateur, amateur boxing and professional boxing is two different games. Mm. So look, I was happy that I had some sort of a good amateur pedigree that I could bring bring it to the pro boxing and it wouldn't have been like a, a massive transition um, What are the biggest differences between the amateur and the pro game? Uh, the no headgear and smaller gloves <laughs> That would do it alright yeah. Um, But yeah no it's and I suppose the longer rounds as well boxing they fight amateur boxing elite boxing they fight three trees oh. um, professional boxing the minimum is four trees and it'll go all the way up to twelve trees mm. Was it always your your plan to turn professional? Um, I'm not too. I'm not actually too sure. Um, was it just something you fell into? I yeah, in, in Australia, I uh, I boxed. I actually won a state title. My last fight as an amateur there, I, I beat a guy, an Australian guy out there that he hadn't been beaten in three or four years. And as I said, I was inside a gym. I was surrounded by all professional boxers, and I was sparring day in day out with mm. the, the with the pros and. Look, I just had an opportunity one day. They asked me, "Would I be interested in turning pro?" And I ne- I've never looked back. And how many fights have you had pro now at this stage? Um, last week I went eight now as a pro. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're slowly building there, getting the ed- educated rounds, and hopefully next year now we can push on and have a better year. So I mean, like you're obviously learning, I suppose, at every professional fight and just taking the the lessons from each fight, I guess. Oh, definitely. Um, like. I've had eight fights, but I haven't had ma- many, uh, say, many rounds as a pro. So, like la- last week, I got six hard rounds mm. from round one to round six, which is what is what I need going forward in the longer rounds. You need the experience to get the rounds out. And um, there's no point going out knocking guys out in one or two rounds because there'll be a stage where you'll be brought into deep waters. Mm. How would you describe yourself as a fighter? Um, I suppose I'm. I'm level-headed. I don't get ahead of myself. Um, I like the box. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of just go out and I, I, I adjust. I mm. like to adjust, have a look at my opponent, and yeah, we kind of work, work on from there. Has your style changed much, like in your eight professional fights? Um, it would have. Yeah, when I, I remember when I first turned pro, um, I went three and all with three knockouts. Mm. I was very aggressive. Like I, from round one, I was trying to take everybody's head off, <laughs> and I knew there was some stage where you don't get paid overtime yeah, in this business. But I knew there was a stage where if you know, I'll ha- I'll I'll probably end up getting tired at some stage. And mm. but I know I started settling down and I started getting the rounds out. Um, yeah, it's around nine, ten rounds now. So yeah, I have to kind of learn how to pace myself. And yeah, yeah, it's definitely pacing yourself. Mm. Who would you have? Um, I suppose. Who would have been your boxing heroes going up? Would you, which fighters would you have looked up to? Um, I suppose, in terms of Ireland, uh, I can remember we'd all we'd all be up watching Barnett Dunn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Barnett Dunn was uh, he's one of the greats coming out of Ireland. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, I love Floyd Mayweather. Um, I love all boxing. I watch if there's boxing on on a Saturday night, I'll be tuning in <laughs> watching it. I watch every kind of fighter. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I like all great fighters. Yeah, we won't say too much about last night's card that we both watched. Oh, KSI Fury was yeah, the yeah, biggest waste of time I've ever was, yeah, experienced yeah. my entire life. Um, so what's the, the plan, I suppose, short-term, medium-term for you? I suppose the short-term for this year was we were hoping to get out in December, get another maybe another couple of good rounds. Maybe we are hoping to get an eight-rounder next, mm. step it up. 
Um, and the next year then I'm hoping that I can push on, bring some big nights back to Cork. I'm hoping I can maybe get my hands on, t- maybe get the chance to fight for a title. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be great if I could do it here in Cork. Um, but yeah, no, next year now I plan on pushing on and just getting better, mm. getting better. Exactly, and you fought a lot in kind of Belfast, I suppose, as well, haven't you? I have, yeah. I fought in some big shows, uh, top-ranked shows, Jamie Conlon's shows. Um, I've boxed in Spain since I came home. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've got a taste of boxing away. I've been always away a fighter, so doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother me. But la- last week, there was just a it was a different kind of buzz fight week. It was just I seemed to have a smile on my face every week, knowing that you know I'm fighting in my hometown and. Lots to be said about sleeping in your own bed the week of oh, week and stuff as well, like and twenty minutes up the road to the venue. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was unreal. It was. Exactly, yeah, so, like, if there's another card in Cork, you'll be oh, straight on to Martin. Yeah, definitely, definitely, I want to be on it, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, yeah, it's been, it, it was a fantastic night. and It just shows, I suppose, that the attitude, the, the hunger is there for, for professional boxing in Cork. Like, as I said, it hadn't been done in quite a while, um, and it was fantastic to see it. And, like, Cork boxing is on a little bit of a high with yourself and, and Cahill and Tommy, who were on the card last week. There's some fantastic boxes coming through in Cork. Oh, definitely. The, there's, a, there's a lot of our uh, cork boxes out there that are doing very well and hopefully maybe in the next couple of years that we'll have an all an all cork card and you know, mm-hmm. everyone will get the showcase and bring everyone together because between I come from Mitchellstown, Tommy comes from the city, same with Cottle. So the amount of cork fans that, that were in one sitting, was, it was crazy. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's only going to get bigger as well, isn't it? Oh, definitely. You see the success of last week's card and the card that was on earlier in the year. I'm going to go see this. A hundred percent, and I know I'm, I'm like Tommy and I'm like Cottle. I'm a pro Cork man. I love Cork. Yeah. I'm. 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 had the red and white t-shirts. Yeah, on. yeah. So I'm, look, we're, we're happy where we come from. So look, why not? Why not? If we can do it in Cork every time, why not? <laughs> exactly, buddy. Mayor Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in, kid. Thanks very much for coming in, and uh, can't wait to see you fight again. Perfect. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. All right, now, as Rory mentioned, the final whistle has officially gone in that incredible game between Chelsea and Manchester City. So let's get the full-time report from Stamford Bridge. This is Guy Swindles. Chelsea 4, Manchester City 4. One of the best games you'll ever likely to see. In the first half, Haaland's soft penalty gave City the lead, but back roared Chelsea. Silver and then Sterling against his old club, giving them a lead. But then Akanji headed the visitors level just before the break in the second half it looks as if City would go on and win this one, Haaland bundling in within two minutes but back came Chelsea and Gallagher's rocket was saved, Jackson put the ball home, 3-3 Rodri's 25 yarder uh, took a deflection off Silva 4-3 Manchester City but there was still time for Brohar to be brought down the substitute, it was a Chelsea penalty and another former City man hit that home, Cole Palmer Chelsea 4, Manchester City yeah absolutely incredible scenes there it'll be interesting to see if they can recreate that later in the season moving on to rugby and earlier this weekend Munster were in action away to Ulster at the Kings Fan Stadium in Belfast and Ulster had to come from behind in that game but you have to say they put in a comprehensive second half performance to take the win and the final score there was 21 points to 14 Let's hear from Munster boss Graham Roontree, who gave his reaction after the defeat to Ulster this weekend, which was Munster's first loss of the season. We scored two tries early on. This is good territory early on, without being brilliant. You know, we weren't that good first half, and we said that at half time. There was certainly no complacency at half time because they'd already come back into the game by then. And then the third quarter just got away from us. You know, just, we're inaccurate, sloppy, ill-disciplined. Our rook wasn't fast enough, you know, it's the heartbeat of the game for us. Um, I'm really disappointed. I'm really disappointed. Set piece, malfunction. Yeah, we're chasing the game at the end there, of their trial line, which I expect from us. You know, we're never going to give up. We've got to be better than that. You know, we're not pointing the finger at anyone else. Anyone else will have a good look at ourselves this week. That's just not good enough. And when you say, when you say the game got away from you in that third quarter, was this, was it positive things Ulster were doing or was it things that you weren't doing? Yeah, they were positively putting a lot of pressure on us, you know. We kept piggybacking penalties and we kept getting put onto our old goal line, losing line-outs. And 
got run off a scrum um, and couldn't really consistently string any phase together in the middle of the field. Hugely, hugely disappointed dressing room down there. That, that just was not us. I said that to them. It's just not us. We'll own that. We'll go away and we'll get better for that. And Stormers next week, I mean, that's a game to focus the minds, obviously. Our old mates. No, you know, we're on a, a run now till the end of January. You've got big games every week. We've got a long weekend now to to wallow in that, that performance and we'll come in Monday, we'll review it, get selection right, um, and then we'll, we'll move forward, you know, but that, that just wasn't us. It wasn't us. Can you put your finger on what it was exactly? I've done well at times to hold up Ulster, but just looked like you maybe stopped playing a bit in that second half. Yeah, we, we, there's many aspects to our game stopped functioning in terms of set piece, our rook. In our old discipline, in a big one, we just couldn't string any face together. And uh, we kept getting pinned back and defending our own goal line. Um, hugely disappointed. You know, we've not been as, as a poor of a version of ourselves for a long time. Um, so we've got to fix things and look forward. Could you feel that from the players when you spoke to them in the dressing room? Yeah, yeah they certainly felt it from me. And there's, there's an honest group there. And, um, no, that wasn't good enough. We know that. that. That is the headline from me as the head coach and from our players, not good enough. And obviously you have a, a lot of the, the Irish internationals to come back in as well. When do you hope to see them? We have three. You know, I didn't consider this week. Those guys have played a lot of game time in that World Cup and they were coming back into a short week. I stand by that. Stand by our selection this week. Yeah, and we have those guys potentially coming back in next week. We'll deal with that on Monday. Could you see that from Ulster? Maybe their bench in the end was a crucial. Oh, they, were, they were certainly powerful. Um, they were certainly powerful, but I'd be looking more at what we didn't do in terms of our rook and our discipline that allowed them into the game. Graham for the week that's just a wee word on uh, Andrew Conway. A wee word? What? Yeah, so. Um, what, a, what a man, what an icon of the club. I had an emotional uh, meeting yesterday when he told the, 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 the playing group. Uh, I feel for him. He worked exceptionally hard coming back from a long-term knee injury and he was, he was like having a new signing this summer with him back on deck the way he speaks the way he coaches lads on the field um, but it wasn't to be um, his knee was um, his knee's at him and uh, he's made made a decision there to control the situation what else is, what else has he got to prove um, I wish him all the best we'll miss him there's a wee 50 words there isn't there? in general leadership and that, you know, to have, as you say, coaching on field, like, you know, that's the kind of player that any head coach yeah. Yeah. just don't get them. No, you don't, and we'll have to bring some more through, you know. You know, we, they all start somewhere. Conway starts somewhere. Um, you know, we've got some pretty good talent um, coming through in the back three in particular. Um, but no, I'm hugely, I was hugely saddened by the news, saddened. Um, I respect his decision and I wish him all the best. We'll miss him. Yeah, I have to say I agree with uh, Andrew or with Graham Rowntree there. Andrew Conway's contribution definitely can't be summed up in a few wee words. He's uh, he's a monster legend. But that's it for me this evening on the Big Red Bench. You can catch up on anything you missed via the podcast, which will be up shortly. So check out redfm.e or wherever you get your podcasts. But that's it for the moment. Thanks for listening. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.